Welcome to Four Dimensions for Teachers, a podcast with Dr. Caroline Blackley, covering topics that surround today's dynamic teaching and learning environments. Ignite your curiosity, engage your passion for discourse, and encourage others to join us in these robust conversations, all to strengthen our community of practice. No need to put your hand up. Just tune in as we laugh, cry, challenge each other, and aim high to continue to be the best teachers we can. If students are disrupting the learning space, or if students are even not disrupting, if they're off task looking out the window, often what teachers have been trained to do is to redirect, and most teachers will do it in quite a public fashion. It's quick, it's easy, it saves us time, and it means that we can quickly get back to our teaching and learning. What happens though is when we do it publicly, even if they're for minor, low-level things, we interrupt the flow of learning for everyone else that's in that teaching and learning space. So today what I want to talk about is how do you use the curriculum to get students on task and how do you use the curriculum to re-engage students who are off task or those that are wavering and heading to being off task but maybe are not. So when we look at communication and Four Dimensions is all about interactions. Dimension one and two, expect reinforce. Dimension three and four, amber zone of redirections and follow through. So the teachers that had far less disruption in my research are the ones that spent approximately 80% of their time in dimension one and two when they had interactions with students. So clarity in setting up expectations, a high frequency in revisiting those expectations, and then they had the opportunity, they'd created the platform in which to interact with students around appropriate behaviours and curriculum learning conversations. So if students are off task, our first response often is to bring into the conversation the behaviour with which we're not impressed with. We bring into the conversation the behaviour we want to change. So I challenge you with first thinking about, instead of a behaviour conversation, can you genuinely go in and have a curriculum conversation with that child, with any child? When we model that curriculum is our core business, we are creating a platform, we're creating an environment in which learning comes first. So students will find over time that they learn that we selectively attend small, minor, low-level disruptions, but we don't not go in and have a conversation with that child, with that student. What we do is we go in and we put learning at the front of the conversation. So what's the point in using interactions to facilitate our communication? The first is it encourages students to do things for themselves. So when we go in with a curriculum conversation rather than a behavior conversation, we are having an interaction that says to a student, these are the ways you gain my attention. And when you do this, you can shift the way we interact with one another. It helps students to direct their own learning. By bringing them back to the curriculum, we're also letting them know that we will come back with a learning conversation and we are not going to remove you from the learning because it's too hard, because you don't want to be here. For whatever the reason, we are actually bringing students back into the fold that learning is what we are here to do. The other thing is when we come back in with a curriculum conversation, we're involving students in the decisions about their learning and it gives them a chance to make the choices around how they re-engage or they step back into the classroom activities. It helps students gain clarity around the learning goals and it will encourage them to judge how well they have done something when we come back in, if we use the curriculum, 
And then if they do come back in, we don't give them the silent treatment or walk away. We have provided an opportunity to now have a conversation around recognizing the curriculum interaction, the curriculum behavior of that student. When we step in with curriculum conversations over behavior, we are modeling a curriculum first attitude. We are modeling that our belief system is that every child in my classroom will be based in a learning framework rather than a behavioral conversation. It acknowledges such interactions and nurtures a student's ability to do things for themselves and to be recognized that every interaction can come back from a behavior, a disruption to a curriculum conversation. It empowers children, students, to come back and constantly revisit that learning is what we are here to do and that I will not waste my time or yours based in behavior conversations. The other thing is too, if students are truly struggling with the curriculum, if we go in with a behavior conversation, we're only addressing what we don't want to see and at no point are we gaining evidence or a conversation or respectfully seeing what is happening that the student is choosing, be it that they can or cannot engage with the work that's been set. So a curriculum conversation can offer ideas, it can offer advice or suggestions even, it can offer recommendations and help students return to appropriate classroom-like behaviours. The other thing is when we go in with a curriculum conversation, we can provide temporary assistance and support to any student. We can help with scaffolding to move them from one level of competence to the next. We can go in with the assumption that students want to be learners even if their behaviours are suggesting or showing us that that's not the case right at this moment. Our interactions will show and prove to students what it is that we truly value and believe in our classrooms. Now, for some of our students to stay on task, quite honestly, and I'm not going to go into the usual glib statements I hear, oh, that child's got ADHD, oh, that child can't concentrate for more than two minutes. Do you know what? Don't care, to be honest. Our responsibility is, and if we believe those statements, then we are teaching in a time where we may know that to be true of the classroom and the students that are in front of us. So if that is the case, how do you set up your curriculum conversations and how can you set up learning that scaffolds the opportunity to have many more curriculum interactions in short, sharp bursts so that students that are likely to go off task have more opportunities to engage with you successfully around the learning in which they are partaking? When we set standards that students feel they will only fail, they are more likely to disrupt the learning space rather than lose face with their peers or with their teachers. Our classrooms are a rich place for robust conversation, for learning and for pedagogical practices. When we choose a curriculum focus for interactions rather than a behaviour focus, we are setting the tone that learning takes priority over everything and we are building a place in which students know we are facilitating the learning no matter what level a student is at. No matter what challenges a student is facing, that as a teacher, we will come in and bring them back to the curriculum rather than exclude them from the curriculum by taking a behavior first stance. When we provide environments which build meaning and understanding, what we do is students, we will help them make a sense of experiences and learn from them. So when we have a curriculum conversation, we are modeling that when things are challenging, when things are hard, I'm going to come in and talk about that curriculum with you. Then I might say, buddy, next time you need help, pop your hand up and I will come straight over and help you. The other is if you have a lot of students that are off task or are pushing that boundary of being silent or working quietly, I always question, 
Is the learning task too long? Have you extended it out too far? Are there not enough interactions with students to say, I see you doing the work, which keeps them maintaining that work level? Students are not built to sit in classrooms for 70 minutes to two hours in blocks and be quiet and silent, sitting with legs crossed and just following teacher instructions. So one of the first places I might start is when I have unpacked all of this work I've just spoken about, curriculum first, curriculum conversations before students are off task, when they're off task and to help them return to the learning, then I need to really have a reflection on my own planning, my own organisation and how am I setting up the learning space that students want to actively participate and I provide scaffolding so that all students can access levels of the curriculum within that learning experience. Students want to learn. Students enjoy environments in which they feel that they can take risks, they can be engaged, and we provide them with opportunities to create with their peers, and they are provided opportunities to learn in a zone of comfort. Students also will choose to disrupt the learning environment. That's not an argument you're going to get from me. Absolutely they do. But that's when we come back to Do we wish our space to be known for a curriculum focus or a behaviour conversation focus? Nearly all the interactions I watch in classrooms when teachers choose a behaviour conversation, they do not change the outcome in the long run of that student and their learning. I watch over and over again teachers by the thousands who choose curriculum conversations, particularly in the schools we've worked in for a couple of years, and you shift and you see the difference in student outcomes, in classroom vibe, and the way the school culture is and develops around learning. So think quite simply, is my conversation here a curriculum focus or a behaviour focus? And which do I choose for my classroom? Thanks for listening. That's a wrap for this episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review and visit carolineblackley.com and join our growing community of international educators.